0: The Premier League on OTB.
1: Trace and it's into the Ritz, And it is Mohammed Sar. He gets his 100th Premier League goal!
0: The very best expert analysis on your phone and for free. Download the OTB Sports app now.
2: You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. <laughs>
0: This is Off The Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until 5. You can text us on 53106. We're streaming the conversation as well now. You can listen on News Talk. Watch us on the Off The Ball social and digital channels. For Periscope on Twitter, at Off The Ball YouTube and on Facebook and also on the OTB Sports app. This is the Saturday panel. We're going to review the Sporting Week now. Between now, and 2.35, with the broadcaster and accredited sports psychologist, Mora Trassa Nicali, Irish independent sports writer Michael Verney, and the Irish Times sports writer Gavin Comiskey. Mora Trassa, Michael and Gavin, great to see you again.
3: Hi, Hi John, John.
2: How,
0: are how are you? How are you? Hope we're all good, and I think we'll probably start, folks, with the women's rugby dressing room controversy. So the RFU are continuing their investigation into what they described as an appalling situation, whereby Connacht and Ulster women players had to change beside bins in a derelict area outside Energia Park last weekend. The players should have been allowed to use the dressing rooms. So the state, the government needs to fix that, obviously, to give them whatever status they require. If ladies' football and Camogie players can use the dressing rooms at Krog Park. It appears from reports, and Keane Trace was writing about it during the week, that the Connacht were directed to an incorrect area before the Leinster match operations personnel arrived at the ground, and Ulster then followed suit. Nee Briggs was at Energia Park, and she said everything was fine when it came to Munster's situation. Um, So I feel my just take before I open the floor to you, folks, is that the effort is the same, whether they're amateur or whether they're pro, it doesn't matter – to say somebody's an amateur strikes me as a bit of a cop-out. I think it's been the year of women when it comes to sport. Rachel Blackmore rides right, six winners at Cheltenham. She wins the entry Grand National. Kelly Harrington wins Olympic gold. Ellen Keane wins Paralympic gold. Kelly georgetown Lee Eve McChrystal, win Paralympic gold. Leona Maguire is the top point scorer as a rookie at the Solheim Cup. The Mead Ladies footballers win. The senior after winning the intermediate only nine months previously. So achievements where you just forget about gender. As it should be because they're fantastic achievements all realize when the appropriate conditions are in place so Mora Trassi, is this just a case of they made a mess of it they've apologized uh, it won't happen again as they called it the RFU appalling or is it a case when it comes to gender and leveling the playing field that it's two steps forward one step back in your view
3: um I wish I was surprised by this news and um, I really wasn't when I saw it it was a sigh of dismay and disbelief that this had happened and even worse I think that the women playing on that team just kind of—and I'm not blaming them any way, shape, or form—they were—they were, you know, herded into that area. They saw what it looked like. They could see vermin, and they just said, "Okay, this is our lot. We're going to take it and go because this is what women are used to. We're—we're we're just used to." And I use the phrase "we" because this is outside of sport as well. You take what you're given because a lot of the time, if you complain vocally about something, you're slapped down, and people don't want to hear it. Now, you're absolutely right that the last year has shown. What women can achieve and actually what any human being can achieve if you give them the right backing and the right circumstances and the setup and that kind of thing but um the irfus apology to me will ring very very hollow unless they actually start investing in the women's game properly for too long and they might not agree with this but the perception is that it is a pain it is a boil they wish they could lance off and get rid of while while women are pulling money away from the real rugby and the only way it will change is there's two ways this will change. One, I think, is that their male counterparts need to stand up. And it's I know it's very difficult on players who are relying on the IRFU or on sponsors for their wages, but until men start speaking up on behalf of women, actually on behalf of every kind of minority and anywhere where anyone's kind of being I hate using the word oppressed because you know oppression is real in some cases, and this is just you know, at the end of the day, women playing rugby. But until men speak up and help lift up the people who need that help, things won't change, and two, sponsors need to grow sponsors need to be lifting the phone and say what are you doing here we're giving you a lot of money it doesn't look good for us because you know what like you know women are over 50% of the population we're buying the products these sponsors have in blades and on jerseys so you know if the IRFU apologize that's a great first step but unless we see actual tangible change that we can measure and say you know what that was a watershed moment and look what has changed Great, I'm all for it. Then, but I'm going to hold my breath.
0: Yeah, Nee Briggs has written about this in the Irish Independent today. She said the change of facilities for Munster versus Leinster were perfect. She says the international camp won for nothing. She says it's about grassroots coaches and getting them into the game. um Paul Boyle spoke about it this week. Uh, Gary Ringrose spoke about it this week. Johnny Sexton spoke about it this week. Gavin Kummisky, are you in line with what Moorthras is saying here?
1: Yeah, more hit the nail on the head about the, uh, the male players. Seamus Coleman was able to get his act together and support uh, Katie McCabe's squad to make sure they got equal pay. Actually take a pay cut to play for their country because he doesn't see uh, male or females. He just sees Irish internationals. The male rugby players that you mentioned there, none of them kind of went on their social media or asked to be interviewed. They were The question was put to them. And if you listen back, the quotes are very similar from three different uh, professional male Irish rugby players at, at three, in three different interviews. I thought that was very funny, you know. What happens is this will happen again, by the way. It ha- won't be for about 18 months and it won't be a tent. It won't be rats in people. Why will it happen again? Because I've been covering women's uh, rugby, rugby in Ireland since 2012 and it happens every 18 months. Uh, what happens is they, the communications department of the IRFU, run by Stephen McNamara, very good ship, Knows what he's doing, excellent at crisis management. That's where they brought him from right now several years ago. So, what happens is they do this, there's no concern, there's no care of duty, there's nobody, there's no pathway for these players at the moment. And, um, like, if you really do dig a little bit beneath the surface, if the players, the male players, actually looked at this, like Johnny Sexton was on your radio station this week saying he doesn't know, he's the our captain of the Ireland men's team, and he doesn't know anything about what's going on beneath the surface. I guarantee it'll happen again, and it happens again is because nobody's putting real care and there's no real depth and real long-term plan into developing Irish women's rugby in Ireland. So when something does happen again, be it an overnight train, or be it they'll miss flights, or the showers won't work in Donnybrook, or they'll be changing with rats in their bags. When this happens again, I guarantee, I promise you, it'll happen in about a year, 18 months. What'll happen is the IRFU communications department will kick into gear. They'll apologize. They'll put forward people like Johnny Sexton who will go, look, this will never happen again. I promise you, you know, and everyone will go and then oh and then the best thing they do is they'll silence everyone by go we're going to do a deep investigation now but the only reason there's an investigation is because the connect women came out and spoke and you know it was because the media are onto it because mary hannigan and neve briggs are writing pieces about it that investigation just gives them time to quiet it down
0: and but maybe the, all... but maybe there's no hiding place now we saw what the FBI did to train <laughs> there is there is they'll
1: do an investigation okay and the, the results of the investigation will come out just when the men's rugby season is really kicking into gear. Just when Leinster and Munster and Connacht and Ulster are going into Europe, and nobody will care at that point in time, and it'll be swept under the carpet. Now, they're on the verge of not qualifying for a World Cup after coming fourth in a World Cup in 2014, you know. So that's the, I and I've watched it, I've covered it uh, season on season since then, and I've watched the whole thing disintegrate, and I've watched them try sevens a pathway. Um, and I have to say, I thought Johnny Sexton really let himself down on radio this week. He, uh, like, he talked about how I want my daughter to have the same opportunities that I had. Like, that's just never going to happen. Like, right
0: now, there's no daughters. There's no how do you gonna know be- it's not going to happen?
1: Because that's because the I'm world we it. live in. i are watching it all the time.
0: But, For starters, right? No, you had... I can't become a professional rugby player if I'm a woman. You, you, but rugby. you had, you had... Uh, women's soccer players change in tracksuits and toilets. They've improved the situation over the last few years. They learn from their mistakes under, obviously, a new broom, a new regime. Michael, has not the situation not improved with the women's GPA joining the men's GPA?
1: Okay, well, where's Rugby Players Ireland this week who are supposed to be looking after, if they're supposed to be looking after male and females? I haven't heard anything from them. I haven't seen a word from them. Um, Like Sexton had no knowledge when he talked about this and he went into great detail about it. Sorry, he went into no detail. He just said, oh look the IRFU have apologized and this can never happen again it's terrible you know but with absolutely no idea that why is there like there's so many questions you can all you have to do is scratch the surface and you've got millions of did they get any expenses or mileage these players when they're playing into provincials why did vodafone sponsor a tournament that has no ireland internationals why did it happen just before world cup qualifiers i know on the club scene i know coaches players everyone objected to this going why are we having this interpro and putting it on tg car with sponsorship coming in and then we don't have it when the internationals the internationals are in camp. Okay. And also, what we saw against in, in the Spanish match, these Ireland internationals are in desperate need of games. They don't know how to catch and pass under pressure. Like it's just it's so evident. And it was it looks like they should be disgraceful. But why didn't they a month beforehand have a, a big interpro season that was live on TV? And when they're put under the pressure that Spain were going to put them on.
0: Maybe they don't it, have the pool of players.
1: Because nobody cares, and because there is no structure. There they is no, will,
0: they will say they care Gavin in Ireland. <laughs> They will say they care and they're not here to defend themselves on that point. Michael Verney, have you seen an okay, improvement? You know
1: how you know you care. You know you care by what, what's the proof in the pudding. And like we keep seeing it over and over again every year that uh, there's evidence of when you see tents like that set up for an interpro pro game,
0: you know they don't care. You know, you know. That well, they, they, I, they said they're appalled. And I think, you know, you have to also when they've had their investigation, maybe there was a legitimate mistake made.
1: They said they were appalled when the independents started asking them questions three days after the event. Yeah. They're just giving, look, it's the communications department of the IRFU are very good. They're good people in there. They're good at their jobs. But it's not their job to fix women's rugby. It's their job to dampen out the fire when it comes. Uh, we'll, we'll, I guarantee you we'll be having this conversation in 12 months, 18 months.
0: Michael, Michael you're you, from a GA perspective. We, the situation last year with the ladies football team from Galway actually had to go to Croke Park and they'd barely any time to prepare for a semi-final. Can you see, have you seen, say, in the last 12 months in GA with women and ladies football and camogie improvements in terms of a level playing field?
2: Yeah, I was in Crow Park that day, actually. I was on my way to Parnell Park when I got word that it had been changed to Crow Park and I think Galway were en route at the time um, and the game was brought forward, I think, to, to uh, I think the game was brought forward because there was a game in Crow Park that day. So it was a last ditch effort to make sure that they played in Crow Park. It was uh, disastrous for both teams involved. The optics of, we'll say, the the WGPA and the GPA joining together and there've been an equal uh, gender balance under executive is uh very commendable and that's a great step but like i've definitely seen you know uh in the lgfa and in the camogie association this, the same failings of uh for example ashling thompson played the all ireland camogie final for cork last sunday uh gave her you know gave her year gave her life to play that game and then milford were playing uh, a cork camogie championship game on the wednesday night in Cork, somehow I, I don't know how this ha- I don't know how that happens. Uh, there was, you know, a big controversy in Tip last year when several players uh, I think they had to give a bye. Uh, I think it was there was a Camogie and a, a Ladies Football Club uh, basically just cross over within 24 hours, and one of the teams had to give a walkover. That happens in that happens in the majority of counties, uh, particularly in the LGFA and the Camogie Association, um, and people will blame the GAA uh, naturally enough, but obviously they're not under that umbrella and while there is great work being done there they're still miles behind and i'm not saying the ga is a perfect organization it's far from that but the lgfa and the camogie association are still well behind uh, their male counterparts in that respect so they still have a long way to come like with the with the galway situation that happened last year could that potentially happen again yes definitely the same as gavin it's probably more than likely it's going to happen again there are steps been put in place to make sure that these things like they're less likely to happen. But there's also a lot of things um, happening behind the scenes, particularly at club level, that is just not good enough and uh, that would definitely not suggest that that there's parity between men and women.
3: And to add to what Michael said there as well, can I just say one thing, actually? Michael's absolutely right. And the All-Ireland Camogie Finals were on last Sunday. Galway and Cork were in the senior finals and both Cork and Galway County Boards decided they were going to play their club hurling championship for the men's. So there are a lot of women who would have had a lot of support, like missing brothers, cousins, neighbours, this, that and the other, who couldn't go to Crow Park to watch women who have toiled away to win an All-Ireland title for their county. Galway won out last Sunday, it was a great day out, but there was a lot of people left at home in Galway who couldn't physically get to Crow Park for one reason or another, and it happened to the Cork fans as well, and that's not good enough. So, you know, while the LGFA and the Camogie Association, Michael is right, they have a long way to come catch up to the GAA, and that's not their fault. They're newer organizations, they have fewer bodies, but at the same time, the GAA don't cover themselves in glory either when it comes to it. There's a lot of noise we made about the GAA, where we all belong, and I know Larry McCarthy in particular, and previous GAA presidents, wanted to bring LGFA and Camogie Association. And that's another conversation. But, you know, we might all belong there, but we all belong to it at different levels. I've seen this personally, involved in sport, playing for clubs, and also involved in backroom teams, and I see it as well from a media point of view, women we aren't we don't belong as much as men and that's the long insurance it's getting better but none of this is a surprise and like you know gavin actually is rare he's one of the few men who actually regularly covers women's sports and knows it inside out and that's an issue as well the media there's not enough you know women involved in it so like i can tell you there's been a few stories involving women over the years where i have tried to get a covered you know on media and you'd be pushing and pushing and pushing and banging on a door if the same story was happening in a male equivalent sport it'd be all over the back pages of the sport
1: if if i told you some of the stories i haven't been able to publish over the years i can't because we get sued but it's so many people who don't want to go on the record and who don't want to be sources because it's too much stress you know these are males who are managing teams and these are female current female players everything they They'd love for it to get out there just what really is happening in irish rugby and how little they've been helped along the way but the problem is and this is how the IRFU get away with it and this is how Cork ga get away with it they're trying to prepare for a game at the moment where they're supposed to be talking about the wrongs that have been done against them you know so they have to make a choice either you prepare for the match in the circumstances that you're given in the, with the cards that you're dealt or you don't prepare for a match and you speak out and you put yourself you ruin any chance you're getting picked again like this is really it's still happening you know there's i have seen I've not seen improvements. I've seen it go downhill. Like, let's just take Lynn Cantwell. How the hell did the IRV let her slip through their hands? She's like one of the greatest players to ever play for the game, just a natural communicator, uh, someone that sport Ireland all over. And then South Africa just came in and went, This is such an easy win for us. We'll make her the director of women's rugby. Like, and the thing is, she is just a made administrator that you could have molded and shaped into something that could be wrecked And not even near, you don't even have to put her near the men's game. but when when that happened, I, I was it was just another low. Like you've covered the 2017 World Cup in UCD and up in Belfast, and um, that was an unmitigated disaster. It was an unmitigated disaster because the preparation wasn't properly, wasn't done. They like they didn't they didn't have a long-term strategy, and they still don't. And it's I remember thinking at that World Cup, I are going, oh, God, this is I, like, okay, they're going to have to qualify for the next World Cup now. And and I, you look around and you look at the will and you looked at the, they didn't, re, they had a review. But, you know, when you talk to people on the ground who, again, don't need the hassle in their life of going on the record, that's the thing. People just are so beaten down by the way they've been treated. But it's them. not It's
0: not just, it's not much harder when you're looking at England and France as professionals. We're an amateur, it's an amateur sport here. There's
1: not much yeah, hard. but we, we flagged this back in 2014. If you don't take this seriously, if you don't look at some level of st- the gas thing is, there's no player way, you know? Like, look at these international players and find out how many club matches they've played in the last two years, I'd say. like Two, three, maybe, maybe none. You know, none of them play the InterPro series. But there's, is there
0: seriously the pool of players? no joined
1: up thinking here, but, but there really is. Is there seriously you know? the pool and of what players? What they do is, yeah. they put up Adam Griggs and Tom Tierney, the Ireland coaches, who have no power and no control over how, how this whole thing works. They're just junior coaches who are employed by the IRFU. And these lads get put in the firing line and you ask them basic questions like, okay, so who do you answer to? How does the, the structure? I did this with Alan there a while ago, and it, he's the guy getting thrown under a bus. He's just a career coach, you know. And I asked him, okay, so who do you answer to, and how does the system work? And wasn't and he just didn't know. He just did not know. And then a day later, they're going, oh, of course I know. He did a new press conference and he named all the people who were in charge. But you know, it's you can you can you can make fun of them over and over again. But all that they know it, they know it well now. You just weather the storm. The men's rugby will come back in. Nobody will well, What to... we'll
0: do is we'll extend the invitation to the RFU. We'll, we'll weather the storm. We'll give it a bit of time. We'll extend the invitation then to the RFU to, to have their say and give their point of view across well, uh, on, the, on this. I this
1: the FAI because Seamus Coleman defended, came out and, and went But, is it, it, but it, is it also he's...
0: the. Fa- well, it could also be the fact that there's a new regime in the FAI and there might be a bit yeah, of. Yeah, and Jonathan thinking. Hill saw
1: an easy win by getting Seamus Coleman and, and Katie McCabe down at the table and going, okay, I'm going to take a thousand off your match fee and give a thousand to their match fee. And. Uh, and everyone looks good they've got, they got a sky deal like they see the writing on the wall that women's sport if you don't if you don't get behind it financially even though it makes no money it'll never turn a profit like but you have
0: to put long term investment in it so yeah Jonathan Hill uh, well you have to get, because it's the right thing to do win for him it's not that big a deal but, but, uh, but I'm, I'm sure his motives are good <laughs> you know you can't, you can't say we, we, we don't know his motives are not good his motives are surely are good um, he,
1: he's, in, he's in to make a, to make the FAI a respectable organisation again Straight away, you go after uh, pay equality. It, yeah, of course, it makes loads of sense. Loads of other countries have already done it. They took a year to do it. You know, um, it's you don't get a pat on the back for paying people the same amount of money for doing the same job.
0: Okay. Um, uh, I just want to move on to... Uh, we've actually, we've got to take a break here for the news. So, Gavin Comiskey, Michael Verney, and Maura trasney Kali, So much to talk about between two and three on the Saturday panel here. The Ryder Cup, the managerial merry-go-round in Kerry, Kilkenny, and Galway. And also, sports documentaries with the Michael Schumacher documentary out this week on Netflix. 53106, if you want to get involved in the conversation, we're back after the news.
2: The Saturday panel on Off The Ball.
0: This is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us 53106, tweet us at Off the Ball. We're back with the Saturday panel reviewing the Sporting Week Just Gone with the broadcaster and accredited sports psychologist Maura trassini Kelly, Irish Independent Sports Writer Michael Verney, and the Irish Times sports writer Gavin Comeskey. Listen on News Talk, watch us on the Off the Ball digital and social channels for Periscope on Twitter, at Off the Ball, YouTube on Facebook. We're also streaming on the OTB Sports app. Search OTB Sports in your app store to download it. Uh, you can text us. On 53106, you can tweet us at Off the Ball. Just getting some of your texts. Lads, in fairness with regard to female sport in the country, the Camogie Association will not communicate with the Football Association. If the governing bodies of female sport won't communicate, well, they're separate organisations. What chance have the participants got of being the best they can be? It's extremely disappointing, says Kieran. Uh, Gavin Comiskey, spot on in terms of professional rugby players' response this week, says Michael in Dublin. Uh, Wanting the same opportunities for his daughter, I presume this is referring to Johnny Sexton, may not be referring to just rugby, but to reach the top in whatever she chooses, says Pat. Uh, Why is the radio interviewer defending the IRFU so much? They have few women players because the IRFU haven't funded the programme. Simple, don't be a spineless shill for the IRFU. Well, the only reason I'm I'm not defending them, I'm just uh, saying that they're not here to give their point of view. And uh, Hi, JD. Please discuss how good the mighty Wallabies are looking right now after smashing the spring box this morning and beating the box last Saturday as well. Rugby Australia has been in a really bad place the last few years. It's great to see the Wallabies comprehensively beating the current world champion, says Aussie Tony in Kilkenny. Just on managerial GA, merry-go-round, folks. Uh, Michael Verney, Brian Cody in for 24th year in Kilkenny. Um, I hope they win the all Ireland. I'd love to see Cody go out at the top. Uh, he is the Alex Ferguson, I would call, of GA management. But it'll be seven years next year since their last All-Ireland. Any thoughts whether he should uh, step aside or give someone else a go or is he right to keep going? Or really is the county board's call, I suppose, Michael. Um, we we just actually don't have Michael Verney there at the moment. More Tras, if you want to come in, this, Brian Cody, the man who who told you the right way to say hurl or hurly, what do you think of him about him staying on? <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, anybody who knows that it's actually a hurl and not a hurley in my book is a good guy. But no, all jokes aside, um, it's obviously unusual, isn't it? Um, These things don't happen anymore in, in most management in most types of games around the world. So Brian Cody is an outlier and it's funny you know it's only been a few years and it's a famine for Kilkenny people and I knew we were discussing this today so I just the opinions of a few different people I know in Kilkenny people who'd be you know into their hurling and would also know that it was indeed a hurl you know they were there was two schools of thought one was that you know the conveyor belt of talent isn't coming through And therefore, Brian Cody is getting the best out of what is there. And then there's another school of thought that says there is plenty of talent coming through. But at the moment, Brian Cody is the only person either capable or willing to put his hand up to do the management. Now, I don't know. I'm not of Kilkenny. I'm not embedded in Kilkenny. I wouldn't know the ins and outs of club hurling down there and who's coming through St. Kieran's College. And all that kind of stuff so I don't know I can't tell which side of those two schools of thought you know impartiality comes down on but they were the two broad sweeps that I was getting but there's also a massive respect for the man he's achieved a lot and um, he's still doing it you know at a time where I don't think anybody would blame him if he said you know what I've done enough now I've given enough of my time it's probably a bit easier now in one sense he's retired he was a primary teacher once upon a time he retired a few years ago that probably I'd imagine maybe makes the gig a bit easier but on the other hand He's dealing with uh, players today who are different to the players even 20, even 10, maybe even five years ago. People have evolved and psychology has evolved and the psychology of young men is evolving and changing and that's a challenge as well and the fact that he's putting his hand up to keep doing it is admirable, though I think maybe... And again, this is me speaking off a personal basis. If I had a personal relationship with somebody like Brian Cody, there's a part of me who might be thinking, you know what, you don't owe anyone anything. It'd be great if you got out on a high, but leaving now, you would also be on a high. You've achieved so much. Spend some time with your family and friends and other things. But then again, he is hurling, isn't he? Maybe this is what he's doing, what he's loving. Um, It's unusual. Um, I think more power to him. There's plenty of people who wouldn't be able for it. Um, and this is Brian Cody we could don't forget they were not Ireland final 2019 and there's talk like Jesus they've given him another one it's it's a bit mad when you look at it that way you know
0: Michael Verney are you coming down on any side on this uh, Brian Cody is he equipped to manage Kilkenny into 2022 against the style of hurling that Limerick are playing for example at the moment
2: well the, the question I would ask is and I definitely uh, aim this at Kilkenny folk like are Kilkenny underachieving with the talent that they have available to them uh, I would definitely say they're not underachieving. Uh, I think if anything, potentially he could be overachieving. If you were to pick you know, the top 15, uh, Colin Keyes even did it in our paper this morning, he did the top 40 herders in the country, uh, three Kilkenny players in it, that's obviously based on this year. But if you were to pick you know, the top 15 or 20, based on over the last five or 10 years, you're looking at probably Owen Murphy, TJ Reid, maybe pa- maybe Park Walsh. Like the talent he is available to him, the conveyor belts of minor All Ireland winners and under twenty one All Ireland winners that he had, you know, in the naughties, like every team was producing a Richie Power, a Richie Hogan, uh, a TJ Reid. They were just ready made senior players over the next couple of years. That's just not the case now. Their under twenties have been beaten well by Galway the last couple of years. Their minors are competitive, but they're not producing. I would say, in particular, in forwards, they're not producing those elite forwards that maybe they were before. So I think it's a difficult one. Kilkenny people, um, I don't know if they think people somebody that uh, Henry or Eddie Brennan or DJ or whoever could come in and do a better job, but I think they want. I think the general consensus from people I'm talking to is they just want to see somebody else do it another way. That's what, from you know, anecdotally, what a lot of people are saying to me. Brian's record is phenomenal. It's 11, well, 11 All-Ireland, 17 Leinster's, uh, eight or nine league titles. Obviously. They haven't won All Ireland since 2015. Even winning that 2015 All Ireland with a, a skeleton squad compared to what he would have had was probably one of his best achievements. They won the league in 2018. They were, you know, they won, Le- they've won Leinster the last two years, albeit a weaker Leinster championship. Um, something Mara has said there I, I would pick up on. Uh, like I, I've talked to Kilkenny people before, and they kind of. They kind of what they say is that they don't think Brian Cody exists outside of the sideline he's you don't see him in Kilkenny you don't see him going for petrol you don't see him around about you'd wonder like who are who are his mentors or who is he canvassing opinions of or uh, is it just would say his wife Elsie would obviously be a big would have you know been a big camogie player in our days
0: he's got a backroom she, like, team want,
2: yeah yeah uh, it's a backroom team yeah but I'm wondering more along the lines of you know is he has he asked the, the question or does it go through his head is there a possibility that, that I could wear out my welcome here? Is there a possibility that it could end like maybe it did for Mickey Hart, who obviously Tyrone had never achieved anything on his, until he came in. He brings three All-Irelands, and then it probably, be fair to say it didn't end the way he would have liked it to end. But as regards, is Brian maximising what he has available to him? I have to say, I think he is, and even tactically, um, I think they have adapted. They're probably still a small bit behind, but a lot of that is to do with the players that you have at, their, at, at your disposal. And it just like he doesn't have the players at his disposal maybe to take down a Limerick at the moment. But ironically, who's the last manager to beat Limerick in, in, in a meaningful championship match? Brian Cody in 2019 semi-final when nobody gave them any chance. So, um, Kilkenny people want to be would want to be careful what they wish for as well. Change is great if. You know, you know what way the change is going to go. You know the people coming in, and they're going to deliver and have a really good squad available to them. But change for the sake of change is not necessarily a good thing.
1: Does, does Shefflin want it, would you say, like now? Would it be a smart move by him to, to jump in now? Or Eddie Brennan or DJ? Like,
2: it, well, well, it's an interesting one, Gav. You, uh, no more than with, with, with Mickey Hart in Tyrone, when he was manager, nobody is going to stand up and say, I want the job. That's just, it's just probably a respect thing. That just was the same case in Tyrone. Um, you wouldn't have heard Peter Canavan or Brian Dewar or Fergal Logan uh, saying, I want the job. And then, like you know, two weeks after Mickey stepped down, Fergal Logan and, and Brian Dewar were, were put in place. They were they were the next men up. But like Henry's with Thomastown this year, um, neighbouring club of his own, he tried and in an intermediate with them. They haven't they've been beaten in finals recently. He's obviously won with Bally Hale, two All Ireland clubs. He, he hardly lost a championship match with them. I think Eddie's obviously been with Leash and brought Leash up to a good level. He's a bit cooler this year. DJ's got experience with with uh with carlo it got them to a couple of Fitzgibbon cup finals so th- th- there's definitely more so than three or four years ago there's definitely replacements there th- i don't think there would have been a couple of years ago they just wouldn't have served the apprenticeships that they would have needed to um whereas even michael fenley in, in awfully now david heresy in kildare there there will be a good pool to pick from whenever whenever brian does step aside
0: Maybe what you're saying there, Michael, is right. Maybe people in County Kilkenny want to see just somebody different just to see how it goes uh, at some stage. I think it might get to that stage. But until the county board make a change uh, or there's a challenge like Eamon Barry against Sean Boylan and Meath, uh, Brian wants the job and he's got the job for another year in Kerry, uh, there was a statement that came out this week from the County Board which read The process of appointing the next Kerry senior football managers commenced. The Kerry J. Management Committee has appointed the following five, five of a subcommittee to revert with the recommendation at the earliest opportunity. No further comments to be made until the process has concluded. Jerry O'Sullivan from Radio Kerry was on with Jerry Gilroy yesterday. He said that it was believed Peter Keane knew about that statement before it was released. Uh, I didn't like the statement. Uh, whether Peter Keane goes again or not, Even if he's going for a fourth year, they should have mentioned him and his his management team. Maybe they're waiting until the process is complete, but I think they should have mentioned it now. Various options being speculated upon. Jack O'Connor, a dream ticket of Seamus Moynihan and Donnie Buckley, Peter Keane again, Gavin. Um, I think there's a lot of anguish down in Kerry. There's only one thing that's required, and that's win the All-Ireland, and they haven't been doing that. Yeah, so
1: does Jack stepping down from Kildare, was that... That's what he did the last time, wasn't it? Just for the third coming, or does that just—is that the writing on the wall, or is it already discussed? I don't know. But I—I um, I don't know what the feeling is in Kerry. But Peter Keane, um, well, Tommaso Shea just invigorated them on the Sunday game after that, didn't he? Saying that there, there hasn't been—he hasn't taken the success he's had at underage into the senior ranks, and they're really stung by this this failure this time around. So I don't know. Maybe it is time for change there, but. um is is Jack is is the third coming of Jack uh, something that they want to they want to embrace? I don't know. Well, they've got it's... a county
0: board chairman as well to come in uh, before the end of the year. So there's uh, lots of complicating political f- uh, factors at play. More atrasa. It's only mm. about one thing: winning All Ireland. You see Dublin win six in a row. You see Tyrone of all teams go and win the All Ireland this year. There's only one requirement, and uh, they get anxious if they don't win it.
3: Yeah, they do, and I think. Is that more Peter Keane's fault or is it more the fault of the structures that they have coming up? And you can say, yeah, they did really well at minor, but that's boys against men, you know? And have we had enough time to allow those boys who came through under minor to become developed the type of footballers that they need to be to win? Because um, unfortunately for Kerry, um, football has evolved. It's become much more, you know, driven by science stats you know players that become bigger stronger it's not just about having tradition anymore which carried Kerry for a long long time and it's not just about being beautiful natural footballers that day unfortunately is gone and Kerry woke up to that for sure but I think there might be a year or two off that yet so you could argue then they have a beautiful center of excellence down in Kerry and you can really see the work they're doing because they've realized later than the other counties the Dublin's and the Tyrone's oh we need we need a bit more smarts behind the beauty as well you know and and, um, you know, the epitome of the Rosa of Tralee, you can't just be pretty, you got to have intelligence going on as well, you know. But for me, it seems that they're a few years off that from what I've seen on evidence, but that's not to criticise anyone, but it's certainly not to criticise Peter Keynes So you could argue, you know, was he getting the best out of those players? Some say yes, some say no. He got pulled over the calls last year for that shock loss against Cork I remember he got really bad abuse for playing Bruno Begrich he'd be more of a defensive guy and they were playing him up uh, playing him up in the forwards Kind of they played very defensively and they got caught and they lost anyway and then maybe I'm thinking in hindsight when we look at that was that because maybe Peter knew the limitations of the team he had I don't know this, this is speculation because of course out of all of this we're talking in a vacuum we don't know what goes on in between the walls you know those, those sacred walls of a team but um it's an interesting um, situation that Kerry find themselves in, and like you said, there's a lot of politics going on now. There's a lot of people of the opinion that should this be left until you know the new chair is appointed and brought in and let it be seen under that person. But of course, then the other school of thought would be like, well, other counties are already thinking of 2022 because you know the big thing that Tyrone has managed to achieve, aside from winning the title for themselves, has given every other county who were you know written off or said they haven't a hope of beating Dublin, haven't a hope of beating Kerry. All of a sudden, there's a lot of counties now thinking we could be next year's sleeping giant. They're already planning, you know, so Kerry mightn't want to wait.
0: Natives are always restless in Kerry, Michael, if they're not going to have that bring that Sam McGuire Cup home.
2: Ah, yeah, realistically, that's that's the case, John. And it's funny, things could have been so different for Peter Keane. They were in control of that drawn game uh, with 15 against 14 against Dublin and could have changed the course of history and could have denied a five in a row and uh, don't think they got a shot away for the last 12 minutes of that game. And Dublin just wrestled back control and you know it was Kerry nearly that we're holding on at the end rather than vice versa. But uh, I would be similar to you. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have liked the statement that was put out from from Keane's perspective anyway. To me, it looked like a vote of no confidence more than anything else. I don't know how many times I, I I can't think offhand and maybe um I stand to be corrected. I don't know how many times an outgoing manager Has had to, you know, re-interview against other potential candidates for the job and ended up getting or holding on to the job. I I can't think offhand of that. It's
0: shoddy form in a way. It's a bit shoddy for me.
2: uh uh, it is a bit, yeah. And and like, listen, the Kerry County Board would probably point back to, you know, that this is being a, you know, a transparent process at the end of his three-year term. Um, but to me, and I think to a lot of people, it just looks like a mechanism to change Kerry manager and. Uh, Jack on the Examiner pod the day after Kerry were beaten or two days after Kerry beaten I don't know I don't, maybe it wasn't a come get me plea but he definitely put it out there that how attractive the job was and obviously if if you were a, you know Kildare player or someone involved in the Kildare County Board I don't think he would have been too happy and then all of a sudden it all manifests in a couple of days later right? he's gone despite the fact that he was uh, he was in you know there's pretty good amount of planning done for Kildare for 2022. With coaching staff and everything and everything was nearly over the line and, and suddenly it's all changed again but i that seems to me the most likely outcome of this jack o'connor being Kerry manager in 2022 and the third comment. i don't remember too many third comments to be honest with you to say you shouldn't Sarah go farrell once. maybe sir farrell yeah in fairness yes yeah, 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 those those guys were, were there a couple of times too, and all kind of got success or at least got teams back to finals as yeah. well. But um, it's going to be real interesting to see how it plays out. But okay. I can see nothing, only change. That's the only thing yeah. I can see. Well, Tony Buckley, was a, go
0: on, Gavin. There was a very top of
1: a, a typically uh, top provoking piece by Jim McGuinness in the Irish Times today. Um, I'm not going into the weeds of structures here, by the way. But don't about, he talks about how like uh, to to change it the way the plans are, are potentially to change the championship is such a disservice to Ulster football. We've got it right and been consistent like Ulster football, that championship effectively broke Kerry this year. Yeah. Because Kerry weren't able to cope with the intensity of some team that had come through for absolute nail biter matches that opened up in the province. So uh, Ulster are doing everything right that you, you should do. If you're a, a provincial structure to produce a team that can win in all Ireland, Tyrone went and proved it. And I, w- I wonder if Kerry are going to keep bashing against this wall, even if Jack O'Connor comes in unless the structures are completely revamped and, and they take away the advantage that Ulster have earned by playing, by going through the traditional routes. So I don't know. It, it, it feels like a bit of a poison chalice in Kerry now, doesn't it? Because it's been so long and it weighs so heavy on them. This whole, oh, they have to carry it through the winter. They don't want to talk about football in the winter now. If you go down there, you notice because it's, it's like that, that that semi there, that, that broke them, you know, for such a massive county, that 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 really, they, they they didn't see that coming at all. They can they've been they've been beaten by the dubs of Mayo over the years, but Tyrone catching them like that, repeating history, was is as grim as it gets, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it's a painful time. Five three one oh six. I think the risk for Kilkenny changing manager is minimal, a bit like carrying football or Mayo. Kilkenny will still be Lancers champions or close to it etc there is minimal downside but the upside is to compete for the All-Ireland says one of our texters and another one Lads Cody is closer to Wenger than Fergie brought them to the absolute peak of the sport before falling away at the end change would likely mean regression rather than progression Mihal Donoghue is he going back to Galway? More tracer
3: no idea oh,
0: Come on You'll give us an exclusive <laughs> I,
3: ge- I, I genuinely have no idea I've been I've been looking for white smoke uh, and, and all that kind of stuff but um, no, i no I I haven't heard a thing all I've heard is that there was a load of names thrown into the pot the first day and one by one they were picked being picked off and um, for a lot of people would say he's a rational choice um don't forget we still don't really know why he left two years ago we don't really know and I actually well, it was, was it not reported
0: that the uh, maybe relations reported. with the, yeah reported about the relations yeah, we with don't, know for, sure. yeah, we and don't know for sure that's the
3: thing why I'm always a bit careful whenever we see about these managerial merry-go-rounds in county boards we never really know until somebody usually publishes a book or there's a review there's or nothing in
0: those books reading. more Trassa nothing in those oh, books
3: sometimes there can be <laughs> but I don't know um, it'd be interesting I know there's a lot of kind of at the moment you see, the club hurling championship in Galway takes up so much bandwidth so I know while people are interested to see who the Galway county manager is going to be at the moment a lot of the hurling people are so focused on championship that while there's talk about it it's not seen as a massive urgency yet but I actually saw today in the independence there was an interesting article I think it was Cyril Farrell actually saying that Michal should be brought back in and he should try and convince uh, Joe Canning out of retirement so I mean you talk about strange going on in Gary could he could get even stranger and go with
2: Michael Verney lengthy process, John, to go through there as well. Like the, the the next manager candidates have to be nominated by clubs and then they go to the county board and then the guys or whoever whoever is nominated are interviewed. Like that's quite a lengthy process. When Mial Dunu got the job in the first place, um after uh, Anthony Cunningham stepped aside, that was quite a lengthy process for him to get in place. I think it was only a couple of days before Christmas in twenty fifteen when he when he was in place. So uh if they go through the processes that they have traditionally gone through that will there won't be there won't be any solution over the next couple of weeks so you're probably looking at probably looking at late october early november by the time they'd actually have a manager in place
0: very good and if we're talking about books and sports maybe porter carrington will bring one out after this Ryder cup next week in wisconsin against the united states he's the captain Shane larry's in the team rory McElroy's in the team i can't wait for it folks uh, silly costumes um all the nonsense ceremonies around it um a team sport which you don't get in golf you've got fans there american fans be hostile enough uh, we hadn't had uh stadiums at all for, for the whole of the pandemic and i think people sometimes forget that uh well, are you really looking forward to it gavin are you a Ryder cup uh aficionado or are you somebody who tries to avoid it
1: um no, uh, well, it's unavoidable. So yeah, like you, you will get dragged into it. And it's because of uh, I, I'm into it this year because of poor Carrington, uh, and obviously Shane Lowry. Um that would be it for me. Uh, no, I don't like I'm not gonna be wearing my have my European flag draped over me or anything like that. Um the Irish Times have given it a real good go today. Uh I'd point everyone towards Colin Burns, Colum, the caddies, Colin. Uh he made a really interesting point about how. All these players, especially the Americans, I think Brooks Kepka said it. Uh, they basically abandon their tour routine when they come into the USA team because they don't have any of their entourage with them. They're in a, they basically go from being a complete individual sport to being this team group thing. And the Europeans have gotten that right over the years. You know, and they've, they've nailed the ethic. So um, that's one thing he said. That that's uh, anyway. I I, I point you towards Colin Byrne when he writes about that because he's been obviously inside the ropes for so long. And um, yeah, it'll be. Uh, really interesting and well, it'll be great but it's it's like it's very hard to get emotionally involved in a European
0: team this is the but only time when we support Europe as people
1: it's not really Europe though because the Brits are still in it so um, that, that would be my <laughs> main issue there
0: I suppose there's Europe and the European Union and we don't want to get sidetracked by that conversation for the next uh, hour and a half here on News Talk um uh, Michael Verney you're a proud man this week because you're from Offaly and Shane Lowry you'll be there as a rookie um, so you'll be up early now well actually you won't be because it's America in it? it's Wisconsin six hours but you must be buzzed about it
2: yeah no I, I spoke to Shane uh, I spoke to Shane the week of the under 20 final and I just asked him as we as you always do when you're interviewing about one thing you try and get a few little bits on another thing so I was just asking him about the golf and that and he was obviously very disappointed to miss out in twenty sixteen he didn't realistically have a chance in, in twenty eighteen. Um and he would have preferred, I'm sure, to be an automatic choice. But like I know all around all around Burr, all around Offaly here, everyone's absolutely buzzing to have, you know, somebody within such a close proximity. I, I shared uh shared a football field with him under ten. I actually said it to him that we actually beat them in that final that we he, he didn't remember it, of course. I naturally would remember it. He's got on to much bigger and better things than I have since. Is that then. your last medal, Michael? No, it's definitely not my last medal, but I must—I don't even know where it is now. But he had long forgotten that game. Similar anyway. career paths. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're—I think it's gone two different directions, Gav, Unfortunately, um, but no, it's great. And the the buy-in around here is huge. Like I don't know if there's ever been a more popular sports person. Uh, everybody just everybody I I know anyway seems to love Shane Lowry like he was going to Crow Park that day the under twenty match he was taking pictures outside he was like some of the pictures after the game were just of him celebrating and people were getting as much crack out of him celebrating as awfully winning and just how much it meant to him so there's definitely a massive buy in there and even just from um, a character point of view the likes of like Ian, Ian Porter like for the right the Ryder Cup like someone like him just lights up the whole occasion he's a he's a crazy record is he 14 wins i think in six six ties in his Ryder cup record he just seems to produce these amazing things every time the tournament comes around and even garcia as well and lowry you'd have to say too, guys that would have been like garcia and poulter would have come from a you know a soccer background they would have been in team environments growing up lowry would have played a lot of ga he would have been following his father when he was you know, he would have been following his father's career and would have been following GA. So these guys are kind of inherently associated with team sports. And I don't know if that's something that Europe just seemed to have a better handle of it as a result of that. the individualistic stuff seems to be put aside and that they seem to be able to function really well as a team. Whereas that's probably something that the Americans have struggled with in recent times, but um it's definitely going to be interesting. It's going to be hostile as well. Like remember, Remember, like Justin Leonard's putt in 1999, and you know, a 40 foot putt went in, and <laughs> you, you think the, the competition is over, and the whole green is swallowed up by Americans. And then uh, I think it was Jose Maria all had to put out, and after, and ended up getting a hab. But well, it's going it's to be really interesting. And, like, for as regards sport, what, like, what, what do I see as, you know, really enjoyable sport a lot of the time is something with an atmosphere, something where people are invested and bought into it. And the Ryder Cup seems to always be like that. So, yeah, I can't wait for it.
0: More how will you have a European flag with the blue and gold draped around your shoulders next Friday? Somebody points out in our text machine, Victor Hovland is from Norway, which is also not in the EU.
3: No, I mean, I have no interest in supporting Team Europe. It means nothing to me. I have no emotional attachment to it whatsoever, but I have a massive emotional attachment to Pori Carrington and Shane Lowry just for those reasons that um, Michael's just after outlining. So yeah, I'll be glued to it for that because it's a spectacle. I love watching the Americans bringing their brashness and all that the drama that that brings into it and then we see the way power Carrington prepares for everything and the best thing about this he really wanted this gig so he has put every single minute that he's had to put toward this, he has focused on it. He has a plan, hopefully that will come off. You know that we, hopefully that we're going to be all on tender hooks. You know, on that last day, waiting to see. Hopefully, you're know, all hoping that it'll be Shane Lowry at the end who'll do who'll do the magic and bring it home to Europe. But um, it, the whole European thing, no, I couldn't give a flying proverbial about that. But I do give a massive flying about uh, the Irishmen involved, and I just think that um, it's it just goes to show that we love a spectacle and we love a bit of competition and we love a bit of um, we love a bit of um, controversy seen a little bit of you know bad talking and that kind of stuff but um team europe sorry uh, it hasn't been sold to me yet anyway
0: yeah well team harrington team larry team McElroy will be enough i think on friday saturday and sunday next week uh hopefully there'll be another documentary about it uh more attracted. we've got this new michael schumacher documentary that shane hannon's going to speak about in a few moments time i haven't seen it yet deliberately I haven't watched it but Sports documentaries, as we come out of lockdown and as we we get back to some sort of normality, uh, they were they were definitely a, a comfort at, at times. Have you seen Schumacher? And uh, do you have any sports documentaries you might want to recommend to us?
3: No, I haven't seen it yet. Actually, it's on my to-watch list, on my very long list of to-watch list, but. Um Look at you can't find anybody more Galway than me. And for me, if you haven't seen it yet, and you'll be amazed, there was somebody in my life who hadn't seen it till I made him sit down and watch it last year when lockdown first hit. A year till Sunday. You can find it on YouTube. It is just magical. I remember getting it on videotape that Christmas from Santa after Galway won the All Ireland, and uh, it's just it's just brilliant. And what makes a sports documentary? I don't care who's involved. I don't care if it's a team sport or individual. It's a bit of emotion, a bit of you know people achieving something that people told you you weren't going to achieve. It's seeing the unbelievable. It's that bit of magic. It's seeing the emotion, seeing people being built up to be knocked down, but they get up again and they go and um oh, it's just it's just brilliant it stood the test of time and actually i was reminded as well of another one that's much more difficult to find but actually well i don't know maybe john you might have seen it actually called blow the whistle it was a documentary on um referees during the 1999 championship and it starred pat McEnany and you see him taking a cigarette break at half time <laughs> in one of the games so maybe the more local ones but um the um, i suppose what should be the big ones i like i was trying to think through and my heart kept going back to them and i think that's it isn't it it's that Emotional attachment, and that's why I go back to them. I thought the one about Senna was very good as well. I enjoyed that, but it's kind of one I'll only watch once and never watch it again. Whereas the whereas a Year Till Sunday, I'll watch it every year on a Sunday, usually.
0: What year? What year was that profile in Year Till Sunday?
3: In uh, 1998, when Galway won the All-Ireland in 1998, beating Kildare.
0: Under a mailman. But
3: actually, interesting fact is that um I think some of the footage was actually shot over a few years previously. You know, Pat Comer was uh, in the Galway team at the time as one of their goalkeepers. He was a filmmaker as well. So he was recording as he went along. And I suppose that's why he had the implicit trust. He was already inside. So it wasn't unusual to have that camera in. And it's just a pity in the culture we've seen now, like, for example, in the previous All-Ireland Final where Mayo held their press day before we even knew who their opponent was going to be because, God forbid, the media might you know, ruin things on us or ruin the camp. It just goes to show if you do it right, it's not going to damage anyone.
0: No, but also you need the privacy. I think with their own uh, players there last week that was great to see. They were going bananas in the dressing room. You don't want journalists in for that either, I don't think. I I, I remember cool, I was in cool. I was in I was in the Kilkenny dressing room when they won an 02. It was a strange experience uh, when Andy Cumberford went st- stood up on the table and did a speech and you're kinda of thinking to yourself, I shouldn't be here. But I, but I was. <laughs> uh Gavin, sports documentaries, have you seen Schumacher yet?
1: Yeah, I actually watched it just as research for this, this morning. Um it's uh yeah, it starts quite well. I fast-forwarded to the Senna bit because it's not a patch on the Senna doc, by the way, which is which from a couple of years ago, which is quality uh, by... Um, uh, Asif, but yeah. I Yes, Asif, Asif yeah, he did the Maradona one, obviously. So everything. And his, <laughs> his one on Amy Winehouse is also excellent. But the um, Schumacher thing, uh, my takeaway was it's really grim because he's not in it, because he can't be in it because of his brain injury in 2013 when he was skiing. After all those years of surviving... Uh, on the on the racetrack uh, for that to happen on a skiing accident, but um, yeah, my takeaway is it's really grim. Sorry for if I, for people who want me to say nice things about it. Um, documentaries myself, uh, I'd point you towards uh, this one called. There's a great one called Lenny Cook. So you don't know who Lenny Cook is, I imagine. He was the No. is he was the best 18-year-old basketballer in 2001, and then these two 16-year-olds called LeBron James and uh, Carmelo Anthony came along. And uh, just blew him out of it, surpassed him. He kind of messed up his studies. He's basically the guy that you should know about, who should have been a superstar, who wasn't, because life kind of threw him a curveball and he couldn't handle it. But it's brilliant watching him go uh, toe-to-toe with LeBron under 16 and 17. and Some of the footage is, just, is is unbelievably good. And then, obviously, when we were kings, I'd watch that every day. And it, it, for surfers i love fergal smith anything about fergal smith there's three or four documentaries about him the big wave surfer who's now like a farmer on the land in west clare um, I'd, uh, I'd point you towards him it's all over youtube
0: lenny cook and fergal smith i'll be definitely investigating those listeners you, uh, yeah. you, you should good, as well good afternoon's uh, entertainment there. I, I would put out the two escobars which was a 30 for 30 andres escobar and pablo escobar the hillsborough documentary was very harrowing and very tough watch but amazingly Orchestrated and executed by Daniel Gordon. The impossible job on Graham Taylor was was good fun. Um, The Maradona documentary is excellent. There's a 30 for 31 done on once brothers, these two Yugoslav uh, basketball players, Vladivac Divac and Drazen Petrovic, both divided by war, and uh, one of them then sadly passed away. Um, so there's, there's there's so much out there. The Senna one, I think, is because you really feel a connection with Senna. You really feel, whoa, I've got a real connection with him. And then we know what happened in in that Grand Prix in 1994. Michael Verney, I don't know if there's any awfully hurling ones that we we haven't spoken about, but I don't even really remember any awfully hurling documentaries. Maybe they should have done one about the 90s team.
2: No, there's one there. All right, Doolini, the Great Escape after the '94 All Ireland final. You'll find it somewhere on YouTube. Um, well worth the watch if you're an Offaly fan. Marooned was a great one with with Paddy O'Shea when they followed him in Westmead, and he gave that you know a grain of rice will tip the scales. I think that's 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 a very good one too. Uh, I I love. I have to say, I don't know if as a series that's. Kept going on year after year if Laker Gale can be topped on TG Carr. I just think it's phenomenal. The job they do, the best thing they ever did, because we always said uh, after the initial series, just make this show a little bit longer. Half an hour is not enough. And they did one with my own club mate, Johnny Pilkington, earlier on this year. Just phenomenal. And you can always find them on the TG4 player. A couple other ones, I probably have a, an eclectic kind of mix of things. Being AP is brilliant, where they follow AP McCoy for about the year, year and a half before his retirement. Um from the saddle and it's just it was inside a look inside the mind of a, a really selfish sports person who basically wants everything on his terms and is the the kind of dialogue between him and his wife is fascinating um i'd be a big wrestling fan as well There's a couple of brilliant wrestling documentaries beyond the mat uh is you know a phenomenal look behind the scenes of what goes on in wrestling it's just a, a mad industry. Wrestling with Shadows would be another one that follows uh, Bret Hart in 1997. And it's all around the Montreal screw job, which everybody knows wrestling is uh, technically not real. It's theatre, but this was one time where uh, theatre kind of turned into reality. And it's one of the most infamous kind of incidents in wrestling history. And there's a couple of brilliant ones on voice at the moment called Dark Side of the Ring. And there's a really uh, good one around uh, the wrestler Chris Benoit, uh, who was involved in a a murder-suicide uh many years ago and it's just a fascinating insight behind the scenes but they'd probably be my one senna senna as well is just like the best about the best sport documentaries will be like i don- wouldn't necessarily watch formula one the whole time i definitely wouldn't but they can just draw you in and the footage in senna is just outstanding yeah but uh i'm i'd be the same with the schumacher one I haven't watched it yet I'm not very time sensitive. i would probably watch it in five years' time or something like that. But there's lots out there. The last dance we haven't mentioned too, which I've w- yeah. I'm watching for the I'm watching for the third time at the moment, and just keep picking up new things every time I watch it. That basically got the vast majority of us through lockdown. It
3: did, did it? Do you it? know which one we forgot as well? Actually, Sunderland till I die as a series. Oh yeah. I thought that was excellent, and again. I had no emotional attachment to them as a team until I began watching it. And then you begin rooting for them and you begin, you know, feeling the highs and lows. And fortunately for them, there was a lot more lows than highs. But when it's done properly, like Michael said, you don't need to even know anything about the sport. You don't need to know anything about the protagonists. You just need a storyline to reel you in. And most athletes, it doesn't matter the sport, they have that because they tend to be exceptional people.
0: Yeah, and that's important as well with the Maradona one for anybody out there who's not really into football. This is an amazing documentary on a person's life. The footage is is fantastic and really insightful, but also it really captures the suffocating nature of fame that a human being can experience. It really was just I think too much for Maradona to handle as, as we found out um, 53106 the 30 over 30 about the Red Sox winning the World Series is unreal says one of our texters great discussion people best sport documentaries Heisel Requiem for a cup final Hillsborough the one with that uh, professor uh, Phil And uh, Diego Maradona and Senna says Nile in Dublin and finally just to finish up folks if you ask more transfer from a sports psychology point of view is it something you can do to make a team start well I coach underage teams soccer and some games they really seem to start slowly or sluggishly they get into the second half then is it really hard to know? You see similar things with the Galway hurlers, says Sean and Galway. Well,
3: wow, wow, wow. wow. Um, I would say, Sean, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's um, that no that's a complicated one and if I had the answers to all those and you, you, wouldn't, be ta- everyone, you
0: wouldn't be talking to us you'd be earning millions well I'd be making a lot dollars. more
3: money yeah I'd be earning exactly, millions yeah. but the one thing I will say to Sean is that if you notice that happening to one team and then you go and try apply what they did t- t- to fix it it's not going to work you have to individualise it and you have to find out why and then work from there and I'm f- afraid that's the best answer I can give right
2: now I was sure there was a Mayo question coming there can Mar- Trasa Mar- Mar- Tra- somehow lift the curse in Mayo or do something so at least the, the question was a bit easier even if it did
0: hit home a bit well unfortunately <laughs> I think Mayo are still they're still grieving a bit so nobody's been in touch for Mayo this afternoon but that might change on Football Saturday between 3 and 5 more Trassie New Gavin Komsky Michael Verney great to have you on great discussion enjoy the rest of your weekend
3: slong sure before it. Legs. take
0: it easy good luck, good luck.
2: the
3: Saturday panel on Off The Ball